From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up, the Jeremy Schilling for Wednesday, October 24th. 2018. It is week eight in the National Football League. This is technically the betting and fantasy show, but I'm going to give Danny Flecker the floor. This is unrehearsed, uh, unspoken. I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know how long he's going to go. He can go as long as he wants. Danny, on your mark, get set, go, the Giants. (laughs) I mean, I had a pretty decent rant last week about my team and their situation and, and how I felt about it, and uh, it was just compounded again this week uh, watching them play on Monday night, and I was watching that game, texting with buddies, talking to myself, because as much as as I wanted to blame Eli for that game, and as much as I wanted to blame the offensive line for that game, and, and I mean, anybody that watched it saw that guys like Nate Solder and Hernandez struggled a bit, you know, in the first half, and uh, Eli had some missed throws. He missed back him in the corner of the end zone. There's another good play that they called up, and it was a sprint right. Um, and he had Beckham to the short corner, and he, and he didn't throw it, didn't pull the trigger. Um, I'm going to put that loss for the first time this year squarely on on the head coach. Um, some questionable calls. It was fourth down. You know, you're inside the five, inside the six, whatever it was. They were unable to score. You go for it on fourth down with a stupid stretch run play at the goal line when your offensive line is struggling. Um, missed out on points there. You get down there again. Then you go for You kick the field goal. Um, then, you know, you go for two. Okay, you miss it. I'm not, I wasn't really a big fan of that play. I, I know the math works out that if they make that two-point conversion and they get the ball back, the same is all they need is to touch that an extra point to win. But you have to hold them on the other side for that to matter. Um, with the game already out of hand, though, like that last drive really just set me off. Like terrible clock management, Eli going for two QB sneaks. Um, it just was unwatchable, unbearable, and I am upset as a fan that I have to watch that, but on the other hand, it, what was this team doing the last three or four years that's put them in this position, and I go back to Jerry Reese, some really poor drafting by Jerry Reese, uh, especially after they won their second Super Bowl. Um, you know, you saw it this year alone. They got rid of Eli Apple yesterday. They got rid of uh, Flowers earlier this year. And I think the only guy that's on the roster that they've re-signed after their rookie deal is Odell Beckham uh, from guys that Jerry Reese has drafted, which is pretty terrible. And uh, you saw today with the trade with, with Harrison that this team is now the Browns. Uh, because the Cleveland Browns, more wins have been way more competitive than the Giants have been this year, and the Giants are the laughing stock of the league this year, unfortunately. And um, I don't know. Thinking in April, uh, I think we we go back to podcast did not did. Was uh, a fan of Barkley, but I was also a bigger fan of them trading out of that pick and getting more capital to enhance the team a little bit more this year. 
They didn't do that. They gave up a fifth round pick for Ogletree. They gave up a third round pick in the supplemental draft. Draft the guy that hasn't even played this year. And now you see them trying to recoup uh, or put band-aids on some of the mistakes they made last year by getting draft capital for players that don't seem to be in their future because they they don't even know what their future is right now. So I would be surprised if they don't make more moves. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jenkins moves or Vernon moves. Uh, you know, you clear a lot of cash space with those guys. I don't know what type of value they might be returning, uh, but it's a shame. And it's, uh, I have no idea where this team goes from here because you've got Beckham, you got Barkley, you got Shepard, you got Ingram. Apparently, Landon Collins might be on the block, but I don't know if he's going to be on the team next year. But besides those players, I don't know what they've got going into next year. And the most important piece of the quarterback, and Eli, is not that guy anymore. So it's a shame. It sucks. It's week eight, and I've already conceded the season, and I don't know what direction that team is going in. Um, who would you trade if if you had all the power in the world? Would 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 you pull a baseball move and just sell everybody? Would you trade Eli? Would you trade Beckham? Would you trade some of these guys? Uh, or or would you try? I mean, what would you do? I think trading Eli Apple was an okay move. Uh, you know, he was still pretty affordable on his rookie contract. Uh, I think there was one more year. This is what, his third year? So you had next year, you know, a very cost controllable rate, plus the option after that. Um, I don't know if he would have been the first guy I would have moved. I probably would have moved Jenkins first for him, just given his cap hit and the way he performed this season. I think you build around younger guys rather than older guys. And I think Jenkins would have been my first move, you know, on that defense. Um, I might might look to trade Vernon too, just because they, the contract they gave him was a lot. They had to pay above market value to get what they wanted, and they did that. And I, I think Vernon would be the next one to go if it were me. But I don't know. Also, trading Harrison was the right move because they're a three-four defense, and I, I get it. He's getting older, but he's outperformed his contract and he's been the best player in that defense for the last three years and you can build around that on the defensive line especially in a 3-4 system you need need that guy that's going to plug the middle but I don't know I, I think I go back to April and I say this you know even after watching Barkley play he's amazing he's fun to watch he's exciting when the ball's in his hands you just don't know you know any play that he has the ball in his hands could be a touchdown but I still would have traded that. I was not a big fan of any of the quarterbacks coming out. Um, I would have traded that pick to a team that maybe wanted to move up, and I would have gotten more capital and drafted guys like Clinton Nelson or Derwin James or anybody that could have provided some sort of depth at a position where you needed it, and um, they didn't do that. And uh, unfortunately, this year, they might have a top five pick again, but... I don't think well, they're going to get the quarterback either. So I just don't know what they envision for next year. And I don't know what was so tantalizing about keeping that second pick when you had that team like the Jets give up what they gave to the Colts. And, you know, the Colts aren't world beaters by any means, but 
you look at some of the rookies they drafted this year with the capital they got from the Jets, and it's pretty impressive. They got Quentin Nelson, they got that guy, uh, I think his last name is uh, Leonard, that linebacker they have that just gets like 20 tackles a game, was all over the field. And some other promising young guys too, and that was all from one trade, and I think that's what I would have done. I would have done that knowing that, yes, Barkley's a generational talent, but at the end of the day, you know, they're one and six, even though Barkley might lead the league in scrimmage yards. It, it hasn't produced any weight. But, 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 oh, okay. So, no, and, and I, I am with you 100%. What I meant was um, Eli Manning. You know, this is a weird spot. Eli Manning is clearly at the end of the road. And just like with David Wright and Jeter and, 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 and not Mo, because Mo is at the top of his game. But you got to do this graciously. He's been a, a, a beacon of, of, of um, you know, classiness in, in this city forever. Look, they they didn't move on last year. They they did not look at what they had with Davis Webb. They chose not to draft a quarterback. Um, he's not being traded to Jacksonville apparently. But you, then again, you've got to get young somehow. How do you how do you do this? You know, it's, it's all luck at the end of the day. You got to hope that the guys that you're getting are going to hit and. I don't know what they're get if they what they would get for Eli. If they were to trade him. I don't know if he's open to trade being traded in the middle of the season. I don't know what benefit he might do for a team that gets him. To be honest with you, I don't know if they're going to get anything uh, that puts them over the top. I don't think he makes Jacksonville a better team. I don't think he makes. I, I think that's the only team that really needs a quarterback that might be like a quote unquote contender playoff team. Um, the way they get younger is going to have to be the shed that cap that they have that they don't want, take up more capital by trading some of these veterans that, that have those big numbers and hope that the cheap assets you get next year in the draft and uh, hit and then make some smart free agent signings next year when, when the market hits and see who's available that can help your team. But it, I, I don't know what they're going to do, to be honest with you. I just don't know. When I look at that team, I don't see one one unit that stands out to me as, okay, we can uh, be comfortable with that right now, but uh, I just don't know. I, I think I, if I'm them, the first thing I do is I don't trade Collins, that's for sure. I keep him. I, I look to build my defense around him, maybe move him to linebacker and uh, maybe try to get some safety help in the, in the draft or in free agency, but it's just... I. The first time in my 25 years of rooting for that team, and uh, I just don't know what they're going to do. And they had some bad teams in their mid-90s when I was young, but I don't think they were ever this bad. So I, I just don't know what they're going to do anymore. And I, I, I think that's what's shocking, um, is um, that that they're this bad. I mean, they're 1-6 for the second consecutive year, but they show no hope. They can't. A, there's no future, you know, in sight, and B, they don't seem to be able to know how to win games this year. That they're in competitively. It, it's bizarre, and I don't know what to say. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at Jacksonville. They were in that game the whole game. They didn't. They couldn't win. They were in the whole game with uh, Carolina. They couldn't win. They were in the game yesterday, uh, Monday, and they couldn't win. And I think it's deflating as a team. You know, your your defense. 
granted, they're not anything special. It kept them in game. Able to come back and uh, you know provide some spark or bring that momentum and energy that you need. And uh, you know, I go back to Monday night. They forced a fumble. Game was still a one-score game at that point, and they go three and out with great field position. Just can't have that. Like you can't have that as an NFL team. And you look at teams that win. And they're moving down the field after a turnover. They're stepping on teams' throats, and they're putting them out of the game, and they just have not had that killer instinct for a number of years, and I don't know where they're going to turn to find it, but this year it's already lost, so they better figure it out quickly because they got six months to prep for the draft. Miami-Houston is the Thursday night football game. You'll see it tomorrow night as Joe Buck works about 86 consecutive days. Um... And by the way, the plan now, it has finally been revealed what the plan was. If game one or two had been rained out, football would have gone to FS1. Tom Brenneman was on standby to call Thursday Night Football alongside Troy. And Joe would have stayed to call baseball. So that's what Fox would have done in that case if it had rained. But the World Series has not had a rain issue yet. Um, Houston, Miami, seven and a half point favorites are the, are the Texans, that feels right to me from a betting standpoint. Are you interested? And then from a fantasy standpoint, who who, who do you like? Uh, I like everyone on the Houston offense in this game. I mean, they they stuck at the Jacksonville last week. They played pretty well. Deshaun Watson have a great game, but they, they didn't need him to be that great yet, uh, last week to win. But I think against Miami, I see that it's Sort of was unraveling, yeah, they had a nice win against Chicago, but you're going in with Brock Osweiler for the third straight game. Uh, I just see this game for him crapping his pants going back to Houston, a place of uh, absolute horror for him. So uh, I like everyone on Houston's offense, Fuller, Hopkins, Miller, Watson, uh, as he can fire all those guys up. As for the line, I, I think that line is good. Um, I do like Houston. Uh, a sneaky fancy play if you're looking for some depth at wide receiver is Danny Amendola. He led the Miami Dolphins in targets the last two weeks with uh, Brock Osweiler in. And uh, the Houston Texans are a little bit short on cornerback depth. So Danny Amendola could be a nice little sneaky play for you at the wide receiver position. Um, moving on to the London game, Philly-Jacksonville. It's a great game on paper, except that the... Jags don't have quarterbacks that can function anymore. They go back to back, back to Blake Bortles. He's on a short leash. Um, Three-point favorites for Philly. The game is in London, which is a whole other thing. This is the first ever four-man booth in the history of football, believe it or not. Kurt Warner, Rich Eisen, Steve Mariucci, and Michael Irvin. A four-man booth for this game on game, which we'll see on NFL Network Sunday morning at 9.30. Uh, do you like anything about this game? No, I don't like anything about that game. And the four-man booth really does uh, turn me off to it. But, uh, <laughs> you're looking at two teams that are severely underachieved. You know, it goes it, on one side of the ball. You have is Philly's offense really as good as they were last year, um, or and then on the other side of the ball, you have is Jacksonville's defense is they really. Were, are they really as good as they were last year? And granted, both teams are going to regress. It's just what's going to happen. But Philadelphia's up 17 nothing last week. They couldn't, you know, they were holding Cam Newton, and all of a sudden he explodes uh, in the fourth quarter, and then they can't score points. Um, Jacksonville's defense hasn't really won a game for them all year. 
And, um, you know, I think if you're Jacksonville, you need to get up early because that's been the formula for your success, but they just don't have enough explosive plays. And, you know, you can blame Fournette for that. But, you know, again, a running back isn't going to win you games. It's just not going to happen. So I don't like anything about this game. It's it's bye weeks. It's injuries all over the place. I think if you have Philly players like Jeffrey and Ertz and – uh, went. You got to start them. Their running back situation is a little bit muddy, uh, but I think the best back that they have in the backfield is probably Corey Clement on a Jacksonville side. Um, I, I think Keelan Cole is probably your best fantasy play from that team. They, you know, the wide receivers that have gone against uh, Philly have had some success all year, so I think Keelan Cole might be another sneaky play for the wide receiver position, but. Nothing about that game makes me want to take it from a betting side or want to have any of my players uh, on my fantasy roster either. So I, I think I just stay away from that game completely on all ends. Top three betting yeses, top three betting noes. Uh, so this week I really like the Pats, minus 14. Um, Buffalo just stinks. I mean, that I feel bad that we have to watch it on Monday night. I, I kind of wish that game was a 1 o'clock game so you didn't have to like subject yourself if you were better to, to wait until Monday night to have that game on. But uh, I'm taking the pass in that. I don't see them um, really letting Buffalo do anything. And the one good thing about the pass is big lines is that that team doesn't stop. They could be up 38 nothing and still try to score. So um, I like the pass a lot this week. I like Cincinnati as well. Um, the line opened up at six against Tampa. It's down like four, four and a half, depending on where you're getting it. Um, I like teams coming off of blowout losses just because it kind of recalibrates them a bit um, and they kind of go back to things that they were doing well. Basically, Kansas City is a tough matchup. You have to score every possession to stay with them, and Cincinnati just doesn't have the offense for that, no matter how many, how good Andy Dalton's going to be. But I, I do, I think a team like Tampa coming into Cincinnati is a a nice remedy after getting your asses kicked on Sunday night. So I do like Cincinnati in that game. And then uh, I have a couple other games I like. I like, I like Indy and Oakland. That minus three. Um, I like Detroit at home against Seattle. That's at minus three. And um, I think you play if you want to look at might might be a good play this week. Might be Green Bay plus nine against the Rams. Um, they look to be healthy on the offensive side of the ball, and this is the largest spread as an underdog for Aaron Rodgers in his career. So um, I, I think Aaron Rodgers can keep it close. Uh, they had the bye week. He should be healthy. Uh, L.A. is dealing with their own issues with their with their injuries, but that could be a sneaky play for you. If you're on the precipice of taking some games, I, I do like Green Bay this week as well. Why, why is that line so big? Why are people devaluing the Packers and Aaron Rodgers so much? It, yeah, their defense has been kind of crap on the road this year. They haven't really played well when they've been away from Lambeau. Um, you know, they haven't, if I think back, if I'm using my memory right now, I think they've only covered two games this year. Um, I think that one was Minnesota and one was um, Buffalo. They they've, haven't covered any other game. And Vegas is all about recency bias. You look at the Rams, and they've just been trolling teams left and right all year long. And they made the, they, they keep making the spread 10, 7, 8, 9, whatever it is, and they still cover. So um, 
And it's just one of those things I think that, you know, the Packers didn't play last week. The Rams did. They won, what, 35-10, 42-10, whatever it was. So the spread's going to be a little bit higher. But, you know, there, there could be some value there for the Packers. I, I could see them keeping that game close. And um, you hope that when you take a bet like that, that either you're going to get the back door at the end of the game or one of those teams, especially in this case the Rams, eventually has a dud. So um, I always like to take the better quarterback in in, this, in those types of matchups. And uh, despite everything Goff has done this year, he's not Aaron Rodgers. So... I'll, I'll leave it to Aaron Rodgers in that game. I, I don't mind laying nine points with him at, at QB. Um, all right, betting nose. Um, I'd stay away from the Giants-Washington game. It's a pick em or zero or one, whatever it is. Both teams, to me, stink. Uh, I know Washington has had some good wins recently, but I watched them against Dallas. I watched them against Carolina. Nothing about them screams to me that they're – Contenders are going to win the NFC East. Their offense is just too vanilla with Alex Smith in there, so I'd stay away from that game. Um, you know, we mentioned Philadelphia, Jacksonville. I'd stay away from that game as well. I don't think that game presents any value for anybody. And then another game is Carolina and Baltimore. Um, Carolina came back against Philly. Baltimore has a heartbreaker against the Saints. I think it's an evenly matched game. But I don't trust either team in any any scenario at all uh, from a betting perspective. And personally, myself, I'm never on the right side with Carolina. So uh, I'm, I'm staying away from that game, too. I just can see too many outcomes and, and variables in that game that get decided. And I, I'd rather take things I'm more sure of this week, like New England. Um, all right. Fantasy, three fantasy yeses, or however many you want to say. But fantasy yeses, fantasy noes. Okay, so no, we'll start with the no's. I'm going to stay away from anybody in the Tampa backfield. So Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones, any of those guys I'm staying away from. They just have no running game. It's not consistent enough. They trail a lot in games, so they have to throw the ball a lot. So I'd stay away from them. Um, if you're looking for a QB, I'd stay away from Baker Mayfield. I just don't trust the Browns going into Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh's coming off a bye. They usually destroy... Cleveland in Pittsburgh, um, so I stay away from from him in, in that matchup. And then I would stay away from I think any position players besides Barkley and Beckham in the Washington game. Um, Alex Smith has been very mediocre from a fantasy perspective. His wide receivers, I don't even know who's going to play for them this week. Everybody seems to be hurt. Uh, and then on the Giants side, you know Manning, I don't trust. Ingram had a dud last week in his return. Um, Jordan Reed's been crap all year for the Redskins. Always gets hurt, too. So i stay away from anybody in that game. Um, so that's one big no. And then I mentioned Jacksonville and um, Philadelphia. I think anybody in that game is, is going to be tough to trust. I just don't know what Alshon Jeffrey's going to be able to do against that pass defense. And Blake Bortles just doesn't give any value to any of his wide receivers. Um, then some yeses I like this week. Uh, I think if you have some Packer wide receivers like Cobb or Allison coming back from injury this week, I think this might be a good week for them to, to play and put in there. Again, a lot of buys this week, a lot of injuries. Um, you could go with those guys. I think that they're gonna, it's going to be a shootout. I think Rodgers is going to throw it all over the park. 
the weakness of L.A. is their secondary, so I, I do think those guys could be some good plays. I mentioned Amendola as a sneaky play. Um, I do like him if you need some depth there. Uh, I also like Matt Breida if he's healthy for the Niners. I know he's, he left last week, but uh, if he is somebody that's available or you need to put into your lineup, I, I do like his matchup against Arizona as, as a pass catching back coming out of the backfield, especially in PPR leagues. Uh, another guy on in that game that I, I think is also another sneaky play is Christian Kirk. Um, when they played Arizona, when they played San Francisco earlier this year, he had like 85 yards and a touchdown. So um, in a week where you're probably looking to, to plug and play some guys in there, he's not a bad uh, a play or under the radar guy that you can throw out there. Um, do you feel better? No, I don't feel better. I mean, I have a team that sucks. <laughs> I have to deal with it. I let you but vent. I let you get it all off your chest. <laughs> hey, I mean, I know what it feels like now to be, you know, I don't mean this in a bad way, a Jets fan or yeah. a Browns fan or whatever. It's just, I've never had a team that's been so bad before that I rooted for where I literally don't know what the next move is for them. And it, it sucks. Uh, but, you know, it sucks even more because I live up in Boston and I gotta watch the Red Sox and Celtics and the Pats win every freaking game and drive by Fenway Park and see the lights on this time of the year and knowing that they're fighting the World Series. So I think that makes it worse. Um, but and uh, you never know. Eventually, these types of things are cyclical. Hopefully, in, uh, in a couple of years, I won't be so depressed about having to spend my Sundays watching them. Thank you, sir. As always. No problem, man. Have a good night. And thank you for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.